Over the span of two quiet April days in 1977, residents from the quaint, calendar-worthy Massachusetts town of Dover experienced something so bizarre, so unknown, so unnatural, that it baffled their minds and frightened their eyeballs. Three teenagers, two days, one mile of dark, silent road, and a mystery creature who would be known as the Dover Demon. Ladies and gentlemen, Alien Zoo is now open. Thanks for listening. Welcome to those who are new, and welcome back to those who got through my intro episode. I hope you learned something. What I learned is uh, never bring up cryptozoology on a first date. I've actually learned that three times. My name is Chris, and come on, let's go. I'm ready to talk about cryptids. I'm not sure how many of you were able to decode my episode 2 hint. At the end of the last episode, um, let's just see how smart my listeners actually are. So relax, spark up some of the demon's dandelion if you have it, and join the zoo as we discuss the Dover Demon. Located about 15 miles west of Boston is the town of Dover, Massachusetts. It's a fairly small town. It's curled up on the south banks of the Charles River. Dover has a total area of about 15.4 square miles. Um, A lot of this is forest. uh, Over 600 acres, to be uh, specific, and also pretty vague. In 1977, uh, the population was roughly 4,600. Dover is one of those towns where photographers will go to take stock photos to sell. You know, it's a um, way to make an easy buck. Dover is very photogenic. People take advantage of that. Well, not take advantage. Um, they make use of that. Uh, I read that there is only one traffic light in Dover. I'm not 100% sure on that. Uh, it, it was probably true in 1977, though. Um, That's classic small New England town, though. And if all these facts don't make you want to move there, when asked what it's like to live in Dover, longtime resident Gretchen Larkin says she likes that she, quote, can get to Fenway Park in 25 minutes without traffic. Whoa. Call a realtor. Uh, The UFC fighter Kenny Florian is from Dover. And I believe he was uh, 14 and 6 when he retired. <clears throat> Although small, Dover is not immune to unexplained encounters and sightings. 
Uh, Dover has had three big paranormal experiences um, from over the years. Uh, one was a sighting of a devil on horseback in the 1600s. Two, it was a legend of a buried treasure under the town. And lastly, and most famously, the Dover Demon. Now, the Dover Demon has become a staple specimen in cryptozoology, with uh, notoriety from as far away as Japan. You believe that? Today, we're going to transport ourselves to a couple of spring nights in 1977. So buckle up. At approximately 10.30 p.m. on April 21, 1977, 17-year-old Bill Bartlett was driving home on Walpole Street with two of his friends. He was driving with uh, Mike Mazaka and Andy Brody, who I believe were both 17 as well. <clears throat> they were all in Bill's Volkswagen, heading down Farm Street. Now, Farm Street is where both the middle school and the high school in Dover are located. Um, it's also between two uh, large forests, the Porter Woodlands on one side and the Chase Woodlands on the other side. Uh, so I'm sure there are a lot of critters crossing this road uh, to get between forests all the time, I'm sure. While driving, Bill then noticed what he thought to be an animal climbing over a stone wall on the left side of the road. As Bill drove closer, his headlights illuminated the creature. Bill states in his description, quote, It looked like a baby's body, with long arms and legs. It had a big head about the same size as the body. It was sort of melon-shaped. He also described the creature as having, quote, tendril-like fingers. It's terrifying. Sounds like a Benjamin Button version of the Slender Man. He continues with, The color of it was the color of people in the Sunday comics. Very strange. Bill was also able to see, quote, fingers on the creature's hands. It eventually turned its head towards the vehicle and Bill noticed it had large, glowing orange eyes, like large glass marbles. The creepiest feature was its lack of features, as its eyes were the only things visible on its head. <clears throat> when asked about the texture, Bill compared the creature's skin to a shark's skin. His two friends, Mike and Andy, were in conversation and missed a chance at a sighting of their own. See, just don't talk to anyone, ever. Stay vigilant, and you'll see cool shit. That's it. The car was going about 40 to 45 miles an hour. And now, based on my experience, that's a decent speed, especially for these uh, small-town roads. Um, if it were me, I think uh, this would be a little too fast for a driver to actually get the, the details that Bill was able to describe. Um, but maybe that's just due to my shitty eyes. Bill estimated the time that he had the creature in his sights at about six seconds. Now that's one second too long to pick food off the ground and eat it, but apparently it's perfect amount of time to describe the Dover Demon. 
At about three quarters of a mile down the road, Bill stops the car, much to the surprise of his two passengers. He then tells his friends what he just saw. They debated for a while on whether they should go back, and after about 15 minutes or so, they decided to. They go to the spot where Bill first spotted the creature. They stayed in their car and observed the forest. They don't see anything. Bill drives his friends home, and then heads home himself. He then sketches what he saw, and goes to bed. Sweet dreams, Bill. Two hours later, at approximately 12.30 a.m. on April 22, 1977, 15-year-old John Baxter is walking along Miller Hill Road, which is less than a quarter mile away from the intersection where Miller Hill Road meets Farm Street. Okay, Farm Street from the previous story. Um, uh, John is returning home from his girlfriend's house. Um, He sees a figure up ahead on the road about 150 feet away, walking towards him. What stood out to John was the figure's enlarged head, and actually, uh, he he thought it may have been this, this kid named M.G. Bouchard, who lived nearby. Now, M.G. had a deformed head due to a childhood illness. Um, kind of putting his nerves at ease by thinking this, uh, John continues walking down the road in the direction of the figure. Now, what I'm about to read is John's words of what happened that night. As I was getting closer, I could see that it was very small. The only thought that came into my mind was this. It was this kid walking home from a party or something, which he usually does at about 12.30. And I called out to him. This was at a distance still of about 50 yards. And I just kept walking, and there was no reply and whatever, and I just kept walking, and as I got nearer and nearer, I noticed I I could tell it wasn't M.G., because it was much too small, and M.G. would have called out to me anyway. So I just kept getting closer, and I was wondering, you know, who is that? Finally, I was about 15 feet away from it when I stopped, and it stopped. Well, I stopped when it stopped. We just stood there. I was looking at it, and I'm sure it was looking at me. I could barely see the shape of it. And I said one more time, who is it? And so I took another step towards it. The only thought I had was that it might be a very small person, like a four or five-year-old. And as I took this step, it just ran so fast into the woods on my left. It was just so fast, you know? One second it was there, and another second it wasn't. And I couldn't hear it going through the woods across a little stream, a little brook. I didn't hear the feet in the water, so I didn't know there was a brook there. And it continued up the edge of the field, which was about 25 or 30 feet through the edge of, like, trees. At the edge of the road, there's an embankment that goes down, sort of like a small gully. Because then it rises up on the other side, and it did. You might say, I pursued it. I went in the same way it went, down the hill, and I stopped. I almost went into the brook, and I stopped at the bottom of the bank. I could see it. It was about level with me in ratio with the height of it, you know? Its head was about level with mine, because it was up a little higher than I was. It was standing on one rock, and was about two or three feet from the tree, and it was leaning against the tree. 
and I could just barely discern the feet or whatever, you know, holding onto the rock, sort of molding, as I've seen before, to the shape of the rock. <laughs> All right. Now, this is the moment that John got his first good look at this mysterious figure, right? And he continues. All these thoughts going through my mind, you know? What is this? A, a monkey, maybe? As I was looking really close there, I could see the eyes. It was looking at me. I just stared at it for another few minutes, and then I just got all these thoughts that maybe it was something really strange, because, you know, nothing ever happened to me like this before, and I didn't know what to think. So I finally got the thought that maybe it wasn't as safe as it looked, because the way it was staring at me, it just seemed like it was, I don't know, I got all these feelings that it was thinking to itself or waiting to spring or whatever, you know. And so I backed up on the bank kind of fast and my heart started beating really fast. All right. So then John gets back to the road and he makes it to the end of Farm Street. Um, and from there he gets a ride home. Once home, he draws a picture of the creature that he pursued that night and uh, what he drew on the paper had a striking resemblance to the same creature Bill claimed to have witnessed two hours earlier, which took place only about a quarter mile from where John was now. The next night, at about midnight on April 22nd to 23rd, slash 23rd, you know, midnight, Will Taintor, 18 years old, is driving with his girlfriend, 15-year-old Abby Brabham, it's a different time, to her home in Sherborne, Mass., roughly six miles away. They are heading west on Springdale Ave in Dover when Abby sees something crouching on the left-hand side of the road at the edge of a nearby bridge. She later says, quote, As I looked at it, it kind of looked a minute like an ape. And then I looked at the head... And the head was very big, and it was a very weird head. It had bright green eyes, and the eyes just glowed like they were looking exactly at me. End quote. As the vehicle illuminated the odd creature with its headlights, that's when Abby got a good look. It had a tan, hairless body. The head was watermelon-shaped and looked featureless except for the round, green eyes. All Abby saw was a brief glimpse of a tan figure crouched in the road. No movement was seen. The witnesses compared the creature's size to that of a goat. Once they drove past the crouched figure, Will asked, Did you just see something? And Abby said, Yeah, lock the doors. Let's get out of here. Hurry up! And they got out of there. And Abby actually drew a picture of the creature as well, um, which is great. We have three different sketches from three different witnesses from three different times. Um, and all the sketches, uh, they, they're definitely similar. It's kind of eerie. And this was the last time that we know of that the creature, or as it would later be known as, the demon of Dover was seen. All right, so the aftermath. Here we go. 
So Dover being a small town, the three kids, the witnesses, were most likely to run into each other at some point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, sure enough, it's reported that the witnesses ended up comparing stories the following week at school. This is when Bill and John noticed that their sketches were awfully similar to each other's. Bill, realizing other people have seen this strange, mysterious creature, had a friend make a whole bunch of photocopies of the sketch he made. He scattered these flyers around town, a bunch of different little stores and businesses. Uh, One of these stores was the Dover Country Store, okay? And this is where the one and only Lauren Coleman saw the sketch. So there's this very nice man who currently resides in Portland, Maine. Portland, which happens to be the location of the world's only cryptozoology museum. Well, this very nice man, who goes by the name Lauren Coleman, is actually the head of the museum. That's because Lauren Coleman is one of the world's leading cryptozoologists. He seems to always be on the front line when it comes to new cryptological discoveries. He's an honorary member of the Scientific Cryptozoology Club. He is a life member of the International Society of Cryptozoology. Lauren began his fieldwork and investigations in 1960, when he began to travel in order to closely study and track numerous cryptozoological mysteries. Lauren has written an impressive library of 17 books. In his holster, he has written over 300 articles on the subject and has been constantly appearing on radio and television, sharing his cryptid knowledge. He has investigated in every state of the United States, all over Canada, Mexico, Scotland, and the Virgin Islands, interviewing countless witnesses of lake monsters, Bigfoots, giant snakes, mystery cats, Mothmen, and Thunderbirds. And in May of 1977, Lauren just so happened to be in Dover, Massachusetts. Lucky for the podcast, right? Lauren Coleman met with and interviewed the witnesses, along with three other cryptozoology investigators, Walter Webb, Joseph Nyman, and Ed Fogg, who sounds like a Sherlock Holmes villain. All four of them were impressed by the testimonies of the witnesses, especially Bartlett and Brabham. The Dover police chief at the time, Carl Sheridan, described Bartlett as an, quote, outstanding artist and reliable witness, end quote. Now, it's my understanding that similar to the way elephants can't jump, cops can't draw. So I take that outstanding artist comment with a grain of salt. I'm just saying, I'd like to see a sketchbook. So on the sketch, Bartlett also wrote, I, Bill Bartlett, swear in a stack of Bibles that I saw this creature. A stack of Bibles? Well, the creature's real. Alright. So we went through the stories. Okay. Now, what are some possible explanations for the Dover Demon? Well, before we go into that, let's uh, review the appearance of of the Dover Demon, the alleged appearance, okay? First of all, the most notable feature, I think, is the large bulbous head with giant glowing eyes, uh, which are typically orange, 
Um, two witnesses said it was orange, I believe, and, and one stated that the eyes were green. Um, no other noticeable fa uh, facial features at all. Just the eyes atop a huge noggin. So that watermelon type head sits atop a slim, stick-like body. Okay. Now it's able to be bipedal, but usually travels on all four. It has tendril-like fingers. Its skin is hairless um, and orange in appearance. I've also read a couple articles um, saying that the Dover demon is sextactylous, which I thought was a 20-sided dice in the shape of a vagina, but apparently it just means without reproductive organs, which makes more sense. So, some popular theories submit that the Dover Demon is nothing more than a lost baby moose. Um, and that makes sense to some degree, alright? If you carve the fucking ears off a baby moose and look at it straight on, that giant snout and bowling ball eyes can make it look alien-like, make it look like it has a very bulbous head. And with some of the witnesses just seeing the creature for mere seconds... Um, I don't think this scenario is that far-fetched. In photography, if you take a cluster of 10 photographs within, you know, half a second, you think your subject is standing still, but there are little details that could differ. And if you're looking at a moose, you know, one, one half second its ears are up and one half second its ears are back and flush against its head making it look like maybe it doesn't have ears. Um, you set that in the dark forest, headlights shining right on, the, on a moose's giant eyes. A baby moose. Still, still a baby moose. I think its eyes are big. I don't know. I, uh, I initially liked this theory a lot, okay, until I started to research it a little bit more. And here's the problem that I found with the baby moose theory. In Massachusetts, moose typically breed in September and October in a period called the rut. Um, about eight months later, in late May, early June, you have yourself a baby moose. So although not impossible, late April would still be a little early for a little baby uh, moose to be in the area. Another theory put out there is it's nothing more than a fox with mange. I think the fox with mange theory can be snuffed out fairly quick. Uh, foxes are naturally weary of humans, and I think a fox with mange would be even more skittish. Um, also, even a large-sized fox would still be smaller than the reported size of this mystery creature. Um, so I do not think it's a fox. And I think it was specifically Abby who uh, mentioned um, the creature was you know, very similar to that of an ape the appearance, in appearance. Um, so the escaped monkey theory, that's another one. The Dover Demon definitely seems to, be a, to have a vague resemblance of a small ape. Um, so maybe a monkey escaped somewhere and ran through the forests of Dover. Um, could have been from a private collector or an exotic pet. Um, I couldn't find any information about a missing primate uh, from any of the nearby zoos during that time period. 
I do believe, however, that a lost escape monkey could be very vocal in that situation, screaming and yelling and everything. Um, the fact that this creature made no noise at all in any of the sightings is a little, little strange to me. Very similar to the baby moose theory, um, there's the theory of it being a baby cow. Okay, um, The calving season for cows is about a month or two earlier than that of a moose. Calving season is... I assume when calves are being made. Uh, the timeline matches up for baby calf to be lost in the woods in late April, because that's when these calves are being born. Um, also, the the orange color reported on the creature could potentially match up better with the possibility of an of an orange tan calf. Moose babies just aren't that color. Okay. Um, but the creature's feet molding to the rock wall, that's strange. Because the last time I checked, a calf has hooves, right? So I'm not sure if it's a cow either. Now, is it possible that the Dover Demon could be a case of mistaken identity? Could the Dover Demon actually be another cryptid? I don't know. Enter... The Manageshi. Some investigators think that the Dover Demon is actually a Manageshi. What's a Manageshi? Huh, interesting. The Manageshi is a mythic cryptid of the Cree natives of Canada. According to Cree legend, there are two different types of people. One, normal people, and two, mini people, like the Manageshi. The Manageshi is known to be a, mischi a mischievous trickster, like Chris Angel. Alright, here's a description of the Manageshi, and if you've been paying attention thus far, this is going to sound a little familiar, okay? The Manageshi are reported as a small, human-like entity with slender arms and legs, with each hand displaying six fingers each. The Manageshi have large heads, big eyes, um, and their heads, there's a lack of nose and mouth. Hmm. Similar. It's an aquatic-type cryptid, known to crawl out of the rocks and capsize canoes as they try to navigate the rapids. Uh, this is interesting consider, uh, considering John Baxter... He had his sighting near a brook, uh, near water. After the colonization of North America, strange creatures began being reported by the early settlers. Now, the settlers at the time were unaware of the Cree legend of the Manageshi, okay? Uh, so is it possible that a Manageshi drifted down New England from Canada for a visit? Yep. I believe the Dover Demon will always mystify investigators. Uh, I doubt a conclusion will ever be made on what exactly was seen those two nights. Um, and I think that's for the best. That keeps cryptozoology alive. And it keeps people like me single as fuck. <laughs> Personally, I think the most viable explanation is a lost baby calf uh, from the many explanations that have been brought forward. I think that's the most likely, but who knows, honestly. 
The Dover demon is really interesting because most unknown hominids, hominid being of an ape family, that are of interest of cryptozoology are usually associated with a Bigfoot-type creature, you know, covered in hair. There aren't many bipedal cryptids that in place of hair there is, quote, wet sandpaper, which was reported about the Dover demon. So that's the Dover Demon. Let's, uh, let's end this episode with a quote. Walter Webb, one of the four cryptozoologists who first investigated the Dover Demon, said it perfectly. Quote, The Dover Demon is a true enigma, an animate anomaly that intersected the lives of four credible young people that lonely week in 1977. So thanks for visiting Alien Zoo. My name is Chris, and thanks for listening. Until next cryptid, bye.